Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Once again, you've veered off the information superhighway into the audio truck stop known as Two Girls, One Podcast. This week, doctors can't live with them, can't accidentally nudge them into the gaping maw of an active volcano. And now here are your hosts who only seek medical advice from their own podcast guests, Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. What's up, boogers and butts? It's me, Lindsay. Okay, that's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I don't know. I was trying to mix up my greeting. You know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Very non-gendered. Yeah, that's good, too. <laughs> and great. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. Listen, we need a name for the fans. <laughs> All these shows are like... You know, hey, what's up, tubers? Welcome to the tube show. Like, it, we need a, yeah. a name for the listeners. I mean, butts make some sense because, like, if you really go to our, well, our namesake, really, there's oh, butts God. involved. I, right. oh. I've never watched it. I've never seen it either. Oh, I've my never God. seen it. That's a great question. Has has anyone, so neither uh, of you have ever watched it? I, I think, I can't imagine that I have watched it, but I have visual, like, vivid ideas of what was going on. Yeah. I think people right. just talked about it so much <laughs> that I was like, that You've I can read the description. see it. Yeah. I think with mine and Lindsay's overactive imaginations, I can't decide if it would be better just to see it. You know, no, I will throw up based on what I know about it. <laughs> I'm going to throw up and die. <laughs> anyway, introducing with hello, boogers and butts makes me think like, tell me that you work for Story Pirates without telling me that you work for Story Pirates, you know. I took a pear out of the refrigerator one day, and this pear was the most beautiful butt I've ever seen. It had a crease, and then it had two butt cheeks. Oh, I was like, a pear of what? And you're talking about <laughs> like a the pear. Fruit, an actual yeah. pear. And I was like, um, this is the most beautiful booty I've ever seen on any creature. And I put it on the counter, took a picture. And now all I have to do, I have it saved on my phone as a shortcut. So I just say to my daughter, hey, Amelia, look at this. And I just show her the phone, the butt, the butt pear, without fail. I could do that 40 times a day. She will laugh every single time. Honestly, I oh, would too. That's great parenting. Uh, why have you not tweeted this image? You need to tweet this image. I should tweet it, yeah. I retweeted uh, a pepper the other day that looks like it's sad and holding itself. <laughs> Matt, it has like 60,000 likes. You I need to it. go tweet this pear. Great. All right. I love I'm it. Ready. That's hilarious. <laughs> we can call everybody pears and peaches. What's up, pears and peaches? That's cute. That's code for butts. <laughs> and more butts. Yeah. <clears throat> pears and peaches is cute. I, I, I would run with that. But anyway, um, what we're talking about today has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> Smooth 
transition, but I'm excited <laughs> for today's topic because long time or even short, short time listeners probably know that I and I think all of us are really angry about the amount of disinformation on the internet. And so we are speaking with someone who has created a group called No License for Disinformation that's about getting doctor's licenses revoked, revoked. which I think is baller. I love yes. it so much. It's it's super badass. These are these are like the the literal white coats doing the white coat thing. Like coming in and being like, "Look, we're here for real medicine. And if you're not here for real medicine, you got to go." Get the fuck out. Yeah. Lindsay, what else would you love to dethrone if you could? Ooh. Uh the patriarchy, <laughs> capitalism, <laughs> Like the idea that you have to pay to go to the doctor for everything. Well, I think we should just pay doctors if it works. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't pay you to not give me a haircut. And Results. like, I paid so many doctors who did fucking nothing for my insomnia. You know That's what I mean? Really? Why is that both a shocking, ridiculous, and also perfectly logical idea at the same time? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, there. I mean, you said you don't pay someone to not give you a haircut, but. You also pay someone when they give you the haircut you did not ask that's for. True. That's true. That's that's fair. not a good analogy. But you know what I mean? Like very often, like we pay for the service after it's done and complete and successful. Like your hair was cut. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> or if you went to the auto mechanic and they fixed your car, but it was still broken, you'd be like, oh man, I still have the problem. Let me bring it back and they will work on it again. For free that time. For the original charge. Yeah. Yes. Like. I dropped so much money to not have my insomnia solved, and it is bullshit. That does suck. But hmm. I did uh, try to report a doctor to the medical board <gasps> because he his behavior was egregious. Like he, I mean, I could go through the whole story, but I don't know if it's actually that interesting for the podcast. But I was like very gaslit. He treated me like I was insane, and just like I said, then I said Ambien doesn't work for me, and all he did was give me Ambien, and then he saw me for like two minutes, and I had traveled an hour to see him because he was like this supposedly this like super sleep specialist, and then he told me that my problem wasn't insomnia; it was that I have an anger management problem, and it's like no, I'm allowed to be angry because I just traveled an hour for you to give me an Ambien prescription. Were the people giving him good reviews men? Probably. I mean, it was like really bad, and it felt it did feel like. This like I was being treated like this histrionic woman, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was very it was really bad. Like being told I have an anger management problem when I'm sleep deprived would <laughs> make me homicidal. Yeah. Like yeah. that man would be dead. But also it's like I'm allowed to feel anger at the fact that you because I said to him, I need something other than Ambien. I traveled all this mm -hmm. way and I was calm at first. I was like, I need I'm not. Yeah, you didn't walk in and kick the door in and you were not angry about your own problems coming in. This yeah. was after you already said, OK, yes. here's what I've done yes. and it doesn't yes. work. Yes. So what do you think? And he's like, well, why don't we try the same thing? And you're yes. like, what the fuck are you talking about? dude? So, yeah. So I actually walked back and I was like, I traveled all this way. I actually need you to like I he gave me the ambient I left. I was fuming. I went back and I was like, I need you to tell me something else. And then right. the waiting room was completely empty. And the woman, the the woman at the desk was like, he can't see the receptionist was like, he can't see you. And I was like, there's no one here. Like, I'll wait. So oh, I sat down in the waiting room God. and I was like, I'm not leaving till he tells me something else. And so then he comes out, but he stands behind the reception. Now I'm telling you the whole story. He stands like behind the glass as though I'm like unsafe. And like talks through the little hole. And that's how he told me that my problem wasn't insomnia. It was that I have an anger management problem. Mm -hmm. It was bananas, bananas. 
So I was like, I am reporting this person to the medical board. Like he gaslit me. He's, I do think there was like probably some misogyny. I mean, it was like insane. Also, I'm sorry, I'm allowed to be angry. (laughs) But my complaint is that it wasn't that easy. Which, I mean, I guess it shouldn't be, but like yeah. there was some follow-up documentation and I was like, <laughs> I don't even want to expend more energy on this. So I left him some right. bad reviews. What I tried to do is file a complaint with the California Medical Board because I think right. his behavior is unacceptable. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but I didn't do the proper follow-up. If, if a server, if a waiter gives you the middle finger, you can then speak to their, you can, you know, be the Karen and speak to yeah. the manager. Right? But. <laughs> Who is the boss of a doctor? Well, if they are in a practice, then it's... The California Medical Board, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So, right. But it's like there is no there's no customer service recourse for bad doctors aside from filing paperwork like this, right? right? So, I like did the initial thing, but then when I got a mailing to like fill out more stuff, I never did it because I just like wanted to let it go. But part of me was like kind of wishes I did it because I think his... It's unacceptable behavior. Sure. And also, even if I had an anger management problem, our... I saw him for all of five minutes. Well, it's because you have an anger management problem. (laughs) JK, JK. But then my fear is that like the professional organization, I know nothing about medical professional organizations, but that other doctors would be like, oh yeah, we've seen that before. So we're not going to, that that, that they would protect their own in a way. Like, you know, I've worked customer service jobs. Customers are fucking terrible, awful animals. Yeah. So when when someone's like, oh, this lady, I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you're in this case, that was not what was happening. So Right. Or like if enough women complain that he doesn't take them seriously, you know what I That's mean? The key, so but right? it was like really yeah. atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes and a half. Awful, awful. Well, that is not the kind of doctor that we have brought today. That's true. <laughs> yeah. This doctor is also angry, but on our behalf. So this doctor, much like other doctors that we've had the privilege of speaking with, namely Dr. Cat, who connected Ooh. us to Dr. Nick. This is very exciting because just like Dr. Cat was trying to spread the good word through the internet and let people know the truth about what's going on with COVID-19 and definitely changed some of the ways that I was behaving. Like I definitely rapid test before I hang out with everyone and anyone that has had the vid, if they haven't had two negative tests 24 hours apart, they're (laughs) not getting to see your girl. Oh my God. You're Um, like the last person actually at this point, everyone I know who hadn't gotten it, just got it. You are still the holdout. Yeah. Because I'm strict. I'm listening to Dr. Cat. And today we're going to listen to Dr. Nick, who's not really telling us anything new, but is making sure that people who are lying behind the badge of doctor are going to get their just desserts, (laughs) which means they're going to lose their medical license. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, It's one thing for like wellness influencers who like do their own research to spread misinformation. And by that, I mean, it's completely unacceptable. But I see that like these are dum-dums who believe in essential oils and they have convinced themselves that their research is correct and they don't have enough knowledge to realize that they're cherry picking or engaging in confirmation bias. Mm. That's one side of the issue and it's big. But it blows my mind that actual medical professionals are disseminating this kind of disinformation, misinformation. Like I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I agree there need to be consequences, 
But Kansas, where are our listeners in Kansas? Let's hear it for Kansas. Kansas, y'all are doing it, Kansas. Oh. I'm so proud of you. What's going on in Kansas? Oh, they oh, were girl. like, fuck you. We are not denying abortion rights protections. We, They solidified it. It was like. Was this a referendum or something? Like, what? Was this an actual voting or was it a it survey? It was an actual voting. Actual okay. voting. In, okay. in red, red Kansas. Kansas hasn't been this magical since the Wizard of Oz. Um, into yeah. it. Truly. You know, like. So now they will continue to offer. Like or that abortion will be protected in the state in this state because Kansas, which is also big because a lot of neighboring states have been going to Kansas for their abortions. And if Kansas outlawed it, they would have nowhere to go. Why aren't other states doing this sort of referendum voting to decide? Well, they might. This is what's really encouraging. It's like this deep red state is protecting abortion rights. Kansas! It doesn't even seem like why are we voting again on medicine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We haven't voted to see if opioids should be prescribed to people. Right. I like that one. That's nice. That's interesting. Prostate cancer. Like it's just like what I want to vote on Viagra. Let's vote on Viagra. (laughs) There's something really fun there. Just vote. Mm-hmm. We should just vote on. Everyone should vote on all of them. <laughs> yeah, let's vote on whether or not appendix appendixes but, should yeah, be removed. Should they be removed? Let's talk about it. You know, because maybe yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Maybe the appendix mm-hmm. is the source of magical powers. If God wanted you to have an appendix that bursts inside of you, <laughs> yeah, that's what God wants it's for your, your ass. Body. So just fucking die from yeah. the inside. We can't remove the appendix. It is human cells. It's God's plan. It's his plan. Yeah. Why are you going against God's plan? That is a great analogy. Love it. You heard it here. Two Girls, One Podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, our guest is coming soon, so I think it is time for... Trivia. I've got such a good one for you. Oh my gosh, gonna you like always it. do. It better be good or I'm going to disbar you. She's just, or you're just going to disconnect. You'll just like leave the podcast. I'm going to revoke your license to control trivia. This week we are talking about medical licenses. Who gets to have them and keep them after social media shenanigans? You do get to keep yours. We discuss this. We're doctors now. We're, and lawyers. We are very nice doctors, but I have <laughs> been licensed in a very indeterminate location based on my foul accent. Whatever. (laughs) Telemedicine's in. You're fine. You don't have to be anywhere. (laughs) Yes. All right. This week's trivia, we are talking about a completely different kind of licensing. That is, of course, merchandising. Merchandising. Merchandising, where the real money from movies and TV is made. Licensing rights to your IP is the biggest business of all in the entertainment world. I have three classic movies from, say it with me, the best decade of all time. The, the 90s. 90s. Yeah. The 90s. Oh, uh, Allie. Yeah, Lindsay got it right. That is correct. It is the <laughs> 90s. One of these movies, classic 90s movies, just got an officially licensed board game in 2020 at the top of the pandemic. You can buy this board game and play it right now. I will read the official marketing description for three board games. One is real, two are just some bullshit that I made up. Which of these 90s movies just got an officially licensed board game literally two years ago? Is it A, Titanic from 1997? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a marketer voice. Okay, this is like okay. a commercial. Ready? This is real copy. Or is it? <laughs> Holy ship! 
we're sinking. <laughs> Get ready for some serious nostalgia as you play as Jack, Rose, and other passengers of the Titanic in this awesome party game using cunning and strategy. It's up to you to save as many passengers as possible from the sinking Titanic over the course of nine rounds. Gather life rafts and supplies. Getting on a lifeboat won't win you the game, however. Just like in the movie, you'll have to be heroic to come out on top. That better be real. Wow. That is Titanic the board game released Holy in 2020. Holy ship, okay. Holy ship. <laughs> or is it B, A League of Their Own from 1992? Oh. There's no crying in baseball, especially when playing with your friends and family. In this official League of Their Own board game based on the hit movie, you're in charge of your very own all-American girls professional baseball league team like the Rockford Peaches, Kenosha Comets, and the Springfield Sallies. Call the shots on everything from pitching changes to pinch hitters and use historically accurate baseball cards of real-life players and your favorite movie characters like Dottie, Kit, All the Way May, and Betty Spaghetti to make game-changing strategic moves, family fun, sports history, and the American pastime slide home with a league of their own. That oh my is God. also coming, is being redone right now as like a TV oh, show yes, or something. Oh yes, as a TV show. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, yeah. but Matt was surprised. I forgot about that. So that's yeah. kind of a or twist. Or is he a good actor? Because I was thinking maybe it's that one because it's coming out, but then he was so surprised. Uh, uh, okay, great. I hope there's a D all of the above. Or is it C, Clerks from 1994. Oh my God. This game would be great if it weren't for the effing customers. In Clerks, quick stop chaos, two to four players must work cooperatively to stave off annoying shoppers, thieves, and shady drug dealers in a New Jersey convenience store. Collect event tokens like the boss left for Vermont and talk about Star Wars and here comes your ex, then reveal them at key moments to change the layout of the store and get those pesky customers off your back. But watch out if your character receives too many demand tokens, you'll have to quit your dead-end job and hope your fellow clerks can finish the round. Which of these 90s movies just got a board game? That last one sounds complicated. I'm gonna go with not C. Like, how do I play that? What? Yeah, I feel like Matt made that one up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these are now just, these are not the instructions. This is just the marketing promo, okay? Yeah. I was gonna go with whatever the last one was before I heard it, because I feel like <laughs> if they did not what make a, a Titanic, <laughs> if they did not make a Titanic board game in the 90s, like they were just leaving money on the table and it sounds like everybody involved with the Titanic is not about that life. I'm gonna go with B. A league of their own, Allie says. I am also going to go with B. Okay. Interesting. We're the B babes. Both players choose B, a league of their own. We will find out the correct answer after this commercial break. Okay, kiwis, peaches, and pears. Thank you all for listening, and especially to our listeners who subscribe at the $10 or more level. We love you, and especially thank you to Wesley Cordell. Cherry Duran, who I think lives in New York. Jessica Fox. Kathy Phillips, what accent do you have? Matthew Scott. Melissa Elliott. I'm just going to do a different accent. <laughs> William. Oh, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. <laughs> Jessica Kybel. Kybel. I tried Jessica. I got Jessica right, but I can't do Kybel. Kybel? Kybel. Mm, I'm trying. I'm trying, y'all. Ken M. Kelsey Murray. I think I'm getting better as time goes on. <laughs> you're, you're all lovely, and I'm getting worse, so... <laughs> 
Thank you all so much. And if you would like us to try to say your name in a very bad New Zealand accent, then please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and donate at the $10 or more level or whatever level makes you feel confident. Thank you. that could give David's bridal a run for its money. Craigslist.org I'm selling my wedding dress. It was never altered because I was a perfect size 10 when I wore this gown 20 years ago. I saved this dress because I thought my daughter would one day wear it. (laughs) It turns out she is a perfect and very short size 2. No amount of altering will fix this dress for her. If you are getting married and want a beautiful vintage gown, this is it. If you are not getting married, here is a list of things that you can do in a wedding dress. Besides, get married. Go bowling. Scare your boyfriend. Wear it to chaperone your son's prom. Go to the beach in it. Wear it to sit on Santa's lap and tell him you want a husband. Run a 5K in it. Keep it hanging in the back of your car and every time you get pulled over for speeding, cry and tell the officer you are late for your wedding. Seriously, this is a beautiful beaded vintage gown. I would love to have a wedding dress in the back of my car to just tell the officer, please, I'm late for my wedding. It's not a bad idea. I also could see you sitting on Santa's lap in a wedding gown and saying you're looking for your husband. I could see that happening. I can't believe I haven't done that before. You know, maybe this Christmas we'll do this. I'll go with you. (laughs) And this Christmas will be. (laughs) All right. Let's find out which of these board games is real. One of these 90s movies became a board game two years ago. Which one was it? Was it Titanic? Holy ship. You got to save the passengers before it goes down. Nobody chose that. Or was it Be a League of Their Own? Own your own uh, All-American girls professional baseball league team you both picked league of your own uh-huh. league of their own uh-huh. league of your own uh-huh. you, you, you girls uh-huh. nobody chose c clerks uh where you gotta like get rid of nasty customers i don't think anyone who likes the movie clerks would want to play that game <laughs> <laughs> i mean that hasn't stopped toy manufacturers yeah, exactly. before you know It's crazy, though. If anyone who likes the movie Clerks is doing anything with Clerks besides just sitting and watching it, like, literally twice in a row, that they're not playing that game. Right. It's so anti-corporate. So, like, the idea of buying licensed merch for Clerks is is missing the point, Mm -hmm. I suppose you Mm -hmm. you might say. All right. Are you sticking with your choices, B? Mm, The correct answer is, in 2020... The license for Titanic became a board game for the first time. That seems insane. That's insane. Now, interestingly, there are other board games. There are other board games about the the Titanic, the real ship. But I'm talking about the movie Jack and Rose, officially licensed with the characters. Mm. 
And the point of the board game is go around the board and save as many people as possible before you, you die. You all die. <laughs> and that's the or game. Or you specifically die. Your character so. dies in Perhaps. nine rounds. Spoilers, spoilers. All right. Well, I won't be playing that game. Okay, everyone, it is time to welcome our esteemed guest, Dr. Nick Sawyer, who has lots of letters in his name because he's got lots of degrees. He is also the executive director of No License for Disinformation which is why we are excited to chat with him today. Hello, Nick. Hey, good morning. I'm happy to be here. I love this. Nick, can you tell us um, what kind of doctor you are? Yeah, um, I'm an emergency medicine physician, so I'm the ER doctor. Uh, I like to say I'm everybody's doctor. You can be my doctor. That's fine. Since you just told me you're my doctor... I freaking sprained my toe in clown class and how, (laughs) what do I need to do? It's my pinky toe. So buddy taping is like not really working. You just got to rest it, rest it, ice it, compress it. Well, you can't really compress it and elevate and elevate it. That's technically what we tell people to do when they have a sprain. You just got to stay off it. Wait, it's rice, right? Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's rice. You have to rice. Am I a doctor too now? Yes. But it's not swelling or anything. And also... I have to walk. <laughs> I'll take you to your appointment if it's sprains, okay? okay or okay, whether okay. it's not sprained, we don't know. This is our first guest who's going to bill us for an episode <laughs> in the history of this show. $800. <laughs> I mean, this is why I didn't go to a, a doctor before. Yeah, I get it. I get okay. it. I'll just wait for this interview. Oh, it's so fucked up, the number of things that it's like, I don't want to see a doctor because I don't know what the fuck, Bill. I'm still, I still refuse. Don't even, I mean, don't even, even fucking get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they oh bill God. on our behalf and don't even tell us. It's, oh it's a whole God. other story. I still refuse to pay for my $2,000 sleep study that told me absolutely nothing. But anyway. It's, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So we're discussing no license for disinformation, which we're super excited about. Can you tell us how this project got started? In... Very beginning of pandemic. I'm talking like like March, April. As soon as the virus came, disinformation started rolling out. Uh, it's you know what Tedros Gabriasis of the World Health Organization called the infodemic. You know, I still remember on July 27th of 2020 is when the America's frontline doctors got out there and started spreading all this disinformation in front of the Supreme Court. They were saying, you know, lockdowns, we don't need lockdowns. We have this cure. It's called hydroxychloroquine. All this was total nonsense. This disinformation just continued to just spread. And patients were telling it to us. And it was just like, it was really weird because none of it was fitting with what we saw in the hospitals, particularly because I volunteered and I went to Elmhurst Hospital for two weeks during the first wave. And I was there in April to the beginning of May. And it was horrendous. You know, we started to wonder, you know, there are these doctors who are telling these blatant lies, physicians, licensed physicians who are telling these blatant lies that are verifiably false. And, you know, nobody with the authority or the platform or the, you know, money to do anything about it was saying anything at all. When we saw that the president and CEO of America's Frontline Doctors was present in the rotunda of the Capitol on January 6th with a bullhorn yelling about vaccine mandates oh. and all this stuff. You know, I contacted the ca- the California Medical Board and I said, hey, you know, shouldn't something be done about these two things? The fact that she's telling all these lies and she was part of the insurrection. And that's sort of what got this rolling. Mm. Okay, so I love that. Yeah, it's one thing when influencers do it. What, what the hell is going on that actual medical professionals are spreading disinformation? Well, so it's all political. 
it's a political operation. So the really important thing to know is that America's Frontline Doctors was created by the was political operatives within the Trump administration, Tea Party Patriots and CNP Action. That's the Council for National Policy. That's Action Arm is their um, advocacy group. And they got together and they said, you know, the, these lockdowns, they're really bad for the economy. They're really bad for, uh, you know, Trump's p- potential for getting reelected because Donald Trump was depending on having the uh, line go up when it came to the, uh, the stock exchange. And um, they're also involved with the Coke network. It's just really nasty, just integrated gnarliness, like the worst parts of America coming together to say, hey, you know, it's okay if people die. We just need the economy to be okay. And there's actually a recording of these groups having talking about how they have these extremely pro-Trump doctors who are ready to get out there and say that, you know, the virus is not a big deal and that it's time to reopen the economy. And, you know, I always say this, you don't have to take my word for it. The Center for Media, uh, Media and Democracy, exposed by CMB, actually got a recording of this conversation of these people talking about the creation of America's frontline doctors. Three separate big outlets actually talked about this as well. It was like the AP and two other talked about this. So this is like everything I'm going to tell you right now is not based on secrets. It's all based on just being diligent about researching these things. Hey. Uh, but what about that whole do no harm thing? Yeah, they don't care about that. Um, <laughs> so that turned into maximize profit and political power to obviously these people. I take my oath incredibly seriously. So do's, you know, the people that I work with in No License for Disinformation. That's the spirit that we take with us to work every day. But it turns out that there's, you know, a, a not insignificant number of doctors who don't really seem to care about uh, their oath. As we see right now, it's not just, I mean, you have to think about it like this. It's not just the fact that it's this small number of doctors who are doing harm. It's the fact that organized medicine and the state medical boards have done virtually nothing to stop it. I mean, it's been, it's been astonishing and sickening. That's what is so surprising for me, because I mean, we've had TV doctors for a long while. I mean, doc, Oz, shouldn't he have been like taken out of here like two decades ago? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He and he's getting worse and worse, obviously. So but, you know, there's TV doctors, all this kind of stuff has been going on for a while. So I'm not like super surprised that individual doctors are getting out here being wild. But when it starts affecting people at the tens of thousands of people at a time level, state boards need to get in there. What what are they even for? So the medical boards have had a pretty bad reputation for a very long time. And it wasn't something that ever really occurred to me until this happened because it started to affect tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And that's what we started to look into because the whole idea of no license for disinformation was that, you know, the Federation of State Medical Boards, which is an umbrella institution under which all the state medical boards are, and they like kind of provide policy and information to the state medical boards. But the medical boards actually have the jurisdiction to discipline doctors. What we started to realize they weren't doing that with these doctors who were in blatant violation of the laws that actually regulate what doctors can and cannot do. I mean, it's, it's not as if the, these doctors are simply violating their oath. Each 
state has something called the Medical Practice Act, which is legislated by each state's legislation, which puts the boundaries around professional medical behavior. And they're not even enforcing those. So the question is, is why isn't the California Medical Board enforcing these different provisions within the laws of the Medical Practice Act that say that you cannot go out and spread fraudulent information? And it's not just California, it's across the board. And so what we decided to do was to point people to our webpage where we have drop-down menus for all 50 states. And so people could um, find out the physician's license, what state they're licensed in, what their license number is, and then direct them to the state's medical board to submit a complaint. And we didn't know what this looked like until uh, there's a physician who um, had to face the medical board recently, a very nasty physician named Mary Tally Bowden, who just got kicked off Twitter in the past few days. Tell us everything. Yeah. Talking about Nuremberg 2.0. That's their whole thing. Wow. She had like Twitter trolls and herself write up investigative like reports and post them on Substack about every one of our board members full of information that isn't even correct. She paid us some PI, you know, dude, good money for just garbage. Uh, Just a high level of harassment. Well, surprise, surprise, um, she got a Methodist hospital, removed her license, uh, no, no, her, her privileges to practice at Methodist hospital for spreading disinformation. She decided to sue Methodist hospital, which is just, you know, bully, harassment, intimidation, and fundraising, really. Mm. She had to go and stand in front of the Texas Medical Board late last month. And I only know that because she told all of Twitter that. <laughs> and... Um, I don't know um, what's going to even come of that because earlier on, one of these other doctors, quote unquote, got in trouble with the medical board in Texas, but all they got was a $500 fine. That's not a deterrent when you're making countless amounts of money selling ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to all of these marks, you know, who believe their lies. The the medical boards have just, they failed us. I I feel like these people should feel bad. Like, what (laughs) is wrong with people? Yeah, I still can't wrap my head around the idea that this is even happening among doctors. It's hard to believe not only that the doctors themselves don't feel bad about what they're doing, of which I'll, I'll talk about in a moment. It's a very small number of doctors who are actually doing this. They're just loud. Yeah. And they're amplified. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's also amazing to me to see the all of the doctors in every single state stand by and do nothing. And all of the doctors in organized medicine stand by and do nothing this entire time. What, what do you mean in terms of, what do you mean by do nothing? So you would think that during a global pandemic, when there are body bags in the back of refrigerated trucks, and there are doctors out there, there's like Pierre Corey, who is part of the Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance, goes and sits in front of the Senate and tells them that ivermectin is a cure, is a, um, a wonder drug in healing um, COVID-19, of which any data to support that is either made up or fraudulent. You would think that the AMA or you know within the American Board of Medical Specialties would come out very early and say, this is nuts. There is no data to support this. This is killing people, literally. We stand against this. But there still is. I mean, basically, complete silence. Uh, yeah, the AMA 
released, the House of Delegates came together and said, we need to put a statement out against misinformation and disinformation. But it's not like you see a robust public service announcement, you know, next to the latest drug commercial uh, by, you know, the AMA or even really by our own government saying, hey, ivermectin hydroxychloroquine are not effective in the prevention or treatment of COVID-19. The vaccines are safe and effective. They're just, it's just been like, people ask me, there's all these doctors making all this noise with all these conspiracy theories. Where are the doctors? Like, where's everybody else? And, you know, like that emoji with their hands in their air, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where they are. And, and so what happens is a lot of this has fallen onto no license for disinformation. So sometimes I'm sitting here in my office looking around. And I'm like, why the fuck is it me doing this? Oh, my God. Yeah. These people find each other and then they're hyping each other up. I mean, is it easy for liars to just find each other and then find people to, to believe their lies? How do they connect with people? One of the things that people don't know about this is the purpose of it. People really like to focus on the grift. Uh, and I get that because... A, it's an easy explanation. And I really like, like when I'm talking with patients and trying to get them vaccinated, and these are people who are like truly hesitant, not like staunch anti-vaxxers. I focus on the grift. You know, I just say there's, uh, you know, there's, there's these unethical doctors out there who are telling people that the vaccines contain microchips or they're, you know, more likely to kill you than COVID or whatever it happens to be. And then they refer them to their own telemedicine websites where they sell them these medications that don't work. And I say, it's a scam. You know, I've, I've been vaccinated and I have the benefit of working um, at an institution where I make a salary. So I just tell them I'm on salary. So whether or not you get vaccinated doesn't matter. I'm just here to help you. Like there's no mm-hmm. monetary incentive. But the bigger picture here is that this is a political operation. And I I like to say that the better way to think about these doctors are political operatives rather than doctors because doctors help people. And these people aren't helping people. They're harming people. This was set up very early on um, as a way to downplay the pandemic for uh, economic reasons. But what happens is it morphed into a weaponization of COVID to spread these conspiracy theories, which are mostly intended to breed anti-government, anti-science sentiment to bleed in with all of the other conspiracy theories and lies that are being told by the GOP right now um, in order to whip up anti-government, anti-institutional, anti-science sentiment in order to prepare them for really violence. You know, I'll give you an example of that is America's Frontline Doctors, uh, Simone Gold. She has a buddy named John Strand, and they were both in the rotunda together. They both got arrested and they both got charged. John Strand is their media guy, and he has this brief, like, five-minute video where he talks about, he's telling people that the vaccines cause AIDS. Mm. It's, it's wild. And then that moved on to Simone Gold putting on Twitter, what is VADES, you know? 
And that actually moved on to... Wait, did you say VADES, like vaccine AIDS? Yeah, like that's what they call us. <laughs> I mean, that's cute. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hand it to him. But like it's, if I get AIDS, I want it the old-fashioned way, which is through fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want it through a well, vaccine. I mean, uh, you're not going to get AIDS from vaccines. Yeah, no, no, it's ridiculous. It, it's okay. ridiculous. And, and the last part is, is like, this is how, this is where it goes. So you got these doctors who are giving legitimacy to this disinformation. They're actually um, like legitimizing it because they're licensed doctors. And then right. you have the uh, state legislatures that are passing laws based on this disinformation and they're institutionalizing it. And something we saw real recently was one of the lawyers from America's Frontline Doctors was asking Senator Ron Johnson, this lawyer is like, the vaccines are causing AIDS. No, these people with their vaccines, are they're giving them AIDS on purpose. Ron Johnson's response was really chilling. He was like, well, everything you say may be true, but people think the vaccines are good. And until we can change public perception, then we can't move on to things like Nuremberg Code trials. And it's like, holy shit, one of our senators is saying that science doesn't matter. It's all about public perception, with the end goal being holding us accountable, you know, pro-vaccine doctors, people who are actually taking care of patients and subjecting us to Nuremberg trials, Nuremberg codes. I mean, this has gone way too far. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Are there any doctors that you're working towards, like removing right now? Are there some wins or some challenges that you're focusing on? No. I mean, <laughs> Simone Gold is in prison right now. She's been there for about five days. She's made this all about this. They're, they've put me in jail because of my free speech. Yeah, I was just about to say, they always love to say free speech. Yeah. And they say that they're being censored and this and that. Well, she, before. She actually went to prison. She raised $433,000 from her marks because she's just a con artist. Cool, cool, cool. Right. Odd based on this lie that she was being politically persecuted. That was mentioned. There was a big discussion in her sentencing hear hearing about that that was total bullshit. Didn't seem to matter. She It was gross because she did speak during her sentencing and she's just like, I've always tried to help people, all this, whatever. But immediately that day after her sentencing trial, when she was sentenced to 60 days in prison, she went right back to fundraising off of this whole political persecution idea. So the fact that Simone Gold is in jail right now has nothing to do with the fact that A, she's been spreading deadly disinformation. B, she sent a member of America's Frontline Doctors to the president of the California Medical Board's home, who then followed her to her work, pinned her car up with their van, and then jumped out of the car and harassed her, and then made a disinformation video about this whole, about Christina Lawson, the president of the California Medical Board, comparing her to Lenin, Stalin, and Hitler, and had Christina Lawson dressed up in um, Nazi regalia. God. Yeah. And they made this video. It's called Lawson's Hunt. And Simone Gold is in this video. And then the last thing is, is Simone Gold is, was running this telemedicine scam where people could go and get hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Micah Lee at The Intercept received two months worth of hacked data. And what it showed was just from the tele telemedicine appointments themselves that they had made approximately somewhere around $6.7 million. Oh. And that's not even including the cost of the prescriptions. I've had conversations with the California Medical Board about every one of these things. 
Yeah, Simone Gold's license is suspended right now under a automatic suspension order, but that's only because she's in prison. After she's out of prison, she's very likely to get her license back. This is wild to me because, you know, when I was growing up, there were like all these TV shows about doctors getting, you know, arrested for selling fake prescriptions for opioids and Adderall and stuff. And this seems so much worse and so much more far-reaching in its damage that I'm like, this is wild. And they're blatantly profiting off of this persona of being a doctor who doesn't give a shit about science. Right. It's, it's not only that they're blatantly profiting off of it, it's that you see these, these messages integrated into the uh, GOP messaging. So one of the other things that we began to see, which was highly predictable to anybody paying attention to this, is the GOP who was demonizing the vaccines and opening up their uh, economies full bore and, and, and fueling these anti-mask, this anti-mask you know, nonsense you know, essentially helping reach this herd immunity thing, which is a horrendously bad idea, is start to say Biden failed on his campaign promise to control the the coronavirus. Mm. It's that sort of cynical political move. They've weaponized this pandemic to such an extent that it has become a central component of the um, GOP playbook to uh, motivate voters. I mean, think about Moms for Liberty. You guys know about them, right? Nope. I do not. And I am afraid of the name. Moms for Liberty is an astroturfed group. You know, they're a fake grassroots org. Yep. Their main thing is, I mean, a lot of them really believe this, but originally they were created as a grassroots, uh, as an astroturf thing. But let's just pause for a moment because like Vades, I love the term astroturfing as oh, the word yeah, for yeah. fake grassroots. Really wonderful. Please continue. <laughs> sure. I'm, we're learning so much more than we thought we would be learning from you. <laughs> it's a wild subject and I've been doing this for way too long and there's a lot of things I'd rather be doing, Yeah, but somebody's got to do it. So Moms for Liberty are these really disinformed women because they're moms. They're the ones who are going to the school boards and like viciously attacking school board members over mask mandates because they've been told that masks are affecting their child's development or are somehow making their kids sick. And that also that the vaccines are killing their kids. They have said time and time and time again that kids don't get COVID. And while it's true that children do overwhelmingly do well, 1,700 kids have died in the United States from COVID. But they don't know that. They don't want to hear that. But they go out and they harass the shit out of school board members to the point where they're like screaming at them. That sort of like astroturfing also occurs with, think about the truckers convoy. That's also aligned with this movement. It's whipping up, again, whipping up this this anti-government sentiment that's dependent on conspiracy theories to make people believe things that make them angry. It's like a visceral reaction, which uh, makes them not only want to um, 
vote, you know, against the people who are purportedly doing this stuff to them and their families. But it's also part of this whole movement to to get people to take up arms. Wow. Yeah. That's the darkest part because grift is grift. And so if you have an opportunity to make money from disinformation, like you're horrible, but like that's a tale as old as time. It's the regular people who have nothing to gain, but are suckered into believing it and they have nothing to gain by shouting at the school board except they really do believe and are afraid and that is that is the point i've been trying to get the house select subcommittee on the coronavirus crisis to really move on this because they could be holding january 6th style hearings on this Mm -hmm. they could be subpoenaing you know putting out subpoenas for these doctors uh, and they did. I mean, they had uh, recently Scott Atlas and Paul Alexander, and they put out a statement. No, not a statement, like a whole document about the political interference in the Trump administration and how it was led by Scott Atlas and Paul Alexander. They need to think bigger and they need to understand the picture as it is. So I've been trying to contact them and say, look, get these people to testify under oath about who they've been working with and what they've been doing and the reason they've been doing it, because this goes far beyond what anybody generally knows. Have you guys heard about the Reawaken Tour? No. The Reawaken Tour. It just sounds like something that they're going to do if and when the evil inside Trump finally lets his body die. They're going to like <laughs> cart it around and like be like, and Voldemort oh, comes out. yeah, I don't know, something. The Reawaken Tour, I think they've been to like 18 cities so far. And what it is, it's, um, it's these doctors and uh, Mike Flynn shows up and um, Roger Stone. What it is, it's this mixture of evangelical Christianity with Trump idolatry, anti-vaccine virulence and QAnon. There's an article in the New Yorker that's titled like, is reawakened toward the start of QAnon 2.0. Everybody should read that article. Mm -hmm. You know, a journalist went to one of these and wrote about what they saw, but it doesn't matter. You could watch it on um, Rumble if you want, because they live stream them and then they keep them on Rumble indefinitely. And the stuff that they are saying to these people are it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's insane. It's it's very, very dangerous. Yeah. So let's go back to No License for Disinformation. We'd love to hear, uh, you know, more about what the organization is doing and who the doctors are who are fighting this. You may be or may not be surprised to hear that given the the magnitude or, or the amount of the polarization around this and how complex it is that it's hard to get people to sign on, particularly given the fact that no license for disinformation is very, very small, self-funded, and we're all practicing physicians. Mm-hmm. We haven't fundraised. We've never sent an email like to fundraise because it's when I say a small group, I mean a small group. And so everything that we've gotten done has been just through just a few of us doing this because we're like trying to talk to these other doctors who are very much against what these disinformation doctors are doing, but don't want to get involved in it because they're concerned about their safety or they don't understand it. 
or they just see it as being too political and in the weeds. We just haven't been able to get people engaged. And this isn't something that we should be having to do. But the, the main thing is that we don't have the bandwidth to be fully, you know, to be practicing physicians, especially emergency medicine, which is so incredibly exhausting, and ramp up this um, organization. You know, mostly what it's just been is just like me and a few other people just kind of studying and working on this and reaching out. But people think COVID is over. Yeah. And so that's the response that we get from a lot of people. And it's like, even if COVID were over, which it's not, what we're trying to tell you is it's being weaponized in such a way that it's having a very, very big impact on this move, this, this Trump movement that continues to this day. And it's, um, it's just, it's really hard to do because like, we're not the organ, an organization in the sense of like, I can't ask somebody to, to do something for me. Yeah. You don't have like lawyers and people writing drafts of things to send out to supporters. You're still small. But how about the doctors that have found you or have decided to join the fight? How did they reach out? And and how do you all go about deciding which initiatives to follow? It's, it's been, it's been mostly on Twitter. Mm -hmm. We had a, on our webpage, we had like a join us type thing where people would sign up so we could better engage them. You know, if we were sending out emails, but what we've been trying to do and why we've learned so much is we've been engaging with all of these different organizations to try and get them to actually move on this meeting with all of organized medicine and testify. I testified in front of the California uh, assembly and the house, like just trying to speak with um, like governmental agencies and law enforcement. It's not something that we have a, a team or a group to do because that requires organizational time. It's hard to run an organization and then also um, manage and oversee a number of people who are also involved in the organization. And so like, I will get, I'll have conversations with people who know people and they'll be like, you know, tell us what you want us to do. But that requires me essentially like running a business. Yeah. I got to go to work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it needs to grow a little bit more is what you're saying. A lot more. On the website, you have a function to report a doctor. Yep. What are the other tools and ideas that you're advocating that are really, that are concrete that, that maybe listeners could do or other doctors? The main thing is to, um, call different, uh, organizations. If you are a pediatrician, call the American um, Association of Pediatrics and ask them what they are doing to publicly oppose the messaging that's coming out of these these doctors. Uh, call your uh, board certifying body and ask them why they have not revoked the board certifications to delegitimize these doctors. The Health and Human Services Office, Office of Inspector General just put out a report that said they are going to go after doctors for these telemedicine scams. They need tips. Speak up. We need the regular doctors to engage. And it's like form a group that is the, you know, equal and opposite to these groups like America's Frontline Doctors. I think everybody, all the doctors are burnt out from the, from COVID. Many people just 
don't want to engage in the political aspect of any of this because it's so grotesque. If the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of the million practicing doctors don't stand up on our own, then we're going to lose this fight. It's it's so scary. And I, I get being afraid. I can't imagine how scary it would be to be just trying to do your job and then afraid that someone is going to follow you home or threaten your kids or tell you you're threatening their free speech (laughs) because you're telling the truth and you don't know them and they're trying to, you know, hurt you. But also it seems like we got to figure out a way to make the truth safe. Yeah. That's a really good way of saying it. I mean, how do you make the, how do you make the truth safe when nobody's got your back? I mean, we, we've really been sticking our necks out there by doing this work. And this Nuremberg 2.0 thing is not a new thing. It's actually an old anti-vaccine trope. And the whole idea is that vaccines are experimental and people have not given their consent to be experimented on. Therefore, it's human experimentation. And so just like how Nazi doctors experimented medically on the Jews, that's essentially what everybody who's pro-vaccine or a doctor has been doing. I mean, that's so insane. And we should all be held accountable under Nuremberg codes. So we will not infrequently get tweets of nooses. Oh my God. Like a noose hanging from wood, like, you know, uh, back in the day when they used to hang people publicly. Yeah. There was something in the news yesterday that said that um, Ron Paul had said that if they gain power, in the fall, they are going to hold trials to hold Fauci accountable. For Jesus what? Christ. Yeah, yeah, this is a horrendous thing. And uh, like, I'm talking with a lot of journalists. I've been trying to raise the alarm on this for a very, very long time. The whole purpose was, you know, just like Bannon says, the flood the zone was shit. And the zone is flooded with shit. And when that happens is everybody is overwhelmed and stuff like this gets missed. The under like current of this is incredibly violent and incredibly concerning and scary. And it's also part of the, you know, the the Trump's GOP ideology. Uh, Well, this is frustrating, but let's talk about good news. Do you know how many license how many licenses you've gotten revoked? Oh, uh, one. God damn it. (laughs) No, one is better than none. (laughs) And they're keeping an eye on things. And if People who are listening to this right now want to report people. There is information on your website about how to do that, correct? Yes. Uh, all you have to do is go to, yeah, no license for disinformation.org. The best thing anybody could possibly do is we are a 501c3, is make a tax deductible donation so we can actually organize. We're still in the hole in terms of uh, our own money, even on this. Um, and if we can get donations, then we can organize and then we can start to actually organize physicians because physicians want to do something about this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's that they're depending on us to do it, but they're not doing it themselves. But I don't think they understand that we can't do it until we have some sort of actual organization structure, you know, organizational structure. And that takes 
that takes money. So this is a recruitment podcast. This is right. Sure. Exactly. We are, yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to get to the Bahamas, y'all. Yeah. We need a social movement to happen around this. And, and maybe that starts with your org and becomes bigger. Maybe it is rooted in your org and goes all the way up. But like this stuff doesn't happen without action and sadly money and and time. So get in there. Exactly. This needs to be a movement and it needs to be a real grassroots movement from the physicians who have their eyes wide open and see what's going on and want to stand up and ask questions like, not only why is this happening, but why, why aren't the people who are legislatively supposed to protect the public from this, these types of dangerous actors why aren't they doing their jobs? Why aren't the uh, organizations that we pay money to, to represent us doing their jobs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Well, friends, let's ask questions and report back doctors. What do you think are the long-term ways that we can improve as a society? Like, is it teaching digital, digital literacy to kids? Like, how do we get out of this hole that we're in? Do you have thoughts? Yeah, um, we need to uh, get corruption out of medicine by exposing it, by taking it on. The thing about U.S. healthcare is U.S. healthcare is not actually intended to help people. U.S. healthcare is intended to maximize profit. And let me just tell you why I know this. For each of the stakeholders in um, U.S. healthcare, the pharmaceutical companies, the um, insurance companies, the medical device manufacturers, it goes on and on and on. They are publicly traded for-profit entities who sell their shares on the New York Stock Exchange. That means that they have a fiduciary or legal responsibility to put their shareholders before anybody else, certainly before patients. That is antithetical to a healthcare system. There are also uh, publicly traded health uh, hospital systems. There are doctor groups who are being bought out by um, these contract management groups, which are owned by private equity firms. And you know there's nothing worse than the private equity firm when it comes to maximizing profits. And then what happens is is you have um, all of these different corporate entities who are maximizing profit and making billions upon billions of dollars every year by essentially siphoning money out of the healthcare system and into their shareholders' pockets, lobbying like crazy our elected officials. So we also need um, campaign finance reform, which is exactly what HR1 was intended to do, and they passed in the House. That's the For the People Act, which passed in the House, but they couldn't get passed in the Senate because there's such a slim majority in the Senate and uh, Cinema and Mansion wouldn't vote for it. it. You know, the big picture here is healthcare in America, it's just cogs in a machine. And everybody, we need to recognize the fact that healthcare is not like any other business. These are people's lives and livelihoods and their financial well-being. And if you go and harm a patient, whether that's physically or financially, then that's going to impact everything downstream from that. This has gone on for far too long and doctors have played a role in this. So we just really need to step back and reevaluate who we are as a country, what best serves people. And one thing I do know is that across the political spectrum, people don't like the way our healthcare system runs. 
Okay. If you were to leave us with just like a tiny kernel of hope, what would it be? <laughs> um, the tiny kernel of hope I would leave you with. I need this. This is for me personally. <laughs> Fair enough. The <laughs> tiny kernel of hope I would leave you with is um, because this is all so intertwined and because the January 6th committee has been doing such an outstanding job and because we're starting to see movement by uh, the DOJ is that if Merrick Garland and the DOJ do the meticulous job that we believe they're going to do based on his history of taking a hell of a long time, but, you know, doing an airtight case against um, the Oklahoma bombers, then again, because these physician actors are an arm of the GOP, if the GOP gets taken out, then so will these doctor groups. It's looking like the DOJ is really starting to step up. And so that's kind of my hope, because I think that is the only hope. <laughs> oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for leaving us with a tiny bit of hope. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> well, it looks like there's a long road ahead of us, friends. But much like Ali, you got to do your due diligence and report these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, if we have any medical professionals listening... Please reach out to No License for Disinformation. Um, if you want us to put you in touch, our email is 2g1podcast at gmail.com. I'm glad someone is out there fighting the good fight, but it seems like an overwhelming uphill battle. It's also scary because the other side is so committed to their ignorance. They like relish it. Yeah. No, speaking of like watching clips of the Alex Jones trial. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, yeah. Kudos to these parents who lost their children oh, to gun God. violence who are confronting him like calmly this right. there's this clip going viral of this woman being like i am not a paid actor my son right. existed like it's insane yeah. like we need to bring back truth <laughs> in fact yeah well i mean the thing that keeps resonating with me from nick's interview was like that no one no one has our back and no one's in no one's in charge there's no one to report to because there's you know the government has failed and these professional boards have failed and then i then i am reminded that we are turning the screws on alex jones like he's arguably the figurehead of a massive disinformation campaign and now his ass is being obliterated i hope it works though yeah is that because parents said we're not taking this shit or is it our criminal justice system doing its work yeah and i mean maybe trump a needs to be convicted a. too after this january 6th right committee. of course yeah. but I, I guess i'm saying like it seems hopeless but like here's a bad actor who makes a living uh, uh, grifting disinformation and now we are putting the screws to him yeah as a society yeah it took a w- way too long right. to do that but it's finally happening right i don't know that's that's hopeful. Yeah. So some of the insurrectionists are going to prison, which I think is helpful, too. And there's that guy who got like seven years and his daughter basically said, if my dad's getting seven years, Trump should go for life. Right. It's taking a long time and it feels like nothing's happening. But like these people who burst into the Capitol are going to jail. Mm-hmm. And th- that's how we do it. That's so it's working. I don't know. So it's a little hope. Yeah, we hope that everyone else feels a tiny bit of hope as well. Uh, you can tweet us your hope. Um, uh, <laughs> I am at Allie underscore Goldie across social media. I am at the Lindsay life, Lindsay with an E across all platforms. Pop in our discord to continue the conversation. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. 
Patreon.com slash 2G1P. No amount is too small. Please check it out. Any amount would be really, really helpful for us. And we're on Facebook, Two Girls, One Podcast. And, um, oh, you can leave us a voicemail. That number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. Moral of the story, consequences. Put your consequences out there. Yeah, put your peaches and pears on the line, people. Yeah! We love you. See you next time. One podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford, then ejected from the internet by the podcast licensing board. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Abital Ayler. Special assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.